Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Tunaris podcast is proudly sponsored by Inline Eco, your trusted partner in asbestos removal and re-roofing services across Ireland. Your peace of mind and safety are our top priorities. For more information, visit inlineeco.ie. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Norries podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Timmy Lam. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Darren Wallace from Limerick City Kid. How are you keeping? Not too bad, no, James, pal. Great, to, great to have you here. Great to yeah. be here, pal. Tim. How are you down, boy? I'm all right, bro. Yeah. Good to have you here, pal. Yeah. You're a painter, decorator. I am. Amongst other things, you've a lot of education done and you do a bit of volunteer in Limerick City. Limerick City Builder, that's right. But, this, but you spent a lot of time in prison as well. I did. 18 years to the day. Yeah. For a life sentence. That's right. All right, so look, before we get into all that, bring us back to where you're from, where you grew up, what was it like? Okay, so I come from uh, St. Mavis Park, better known as the Island Field. Yeah. Sumter Park is where I'm from, so it's literally just on the the outsides of the island. But uh, family life was very it was chaotic most times. It was a lot of instability, a lot of alcohol in the family, and what comes with it. So uh, I had a sister, older sister, younger brother, and a twin brother. So uh, yeah, it was you can picture the neighborhood we grew up in. So the island, it's, it's, it's full of unemployment, poverty, high in education, lots of drinking drugs. Mm. It was drink mainly at the time. So by the time I was 13, 14, I was hitting the drink, I was smoking the joints. Yeah. Uh, what about primary school, secondary school? Um, so secondary school, I was gone out of quite quickly. Uh, primary school, I was doing okay into a certain period. And... Uh, I wasn't going to talk about this, though, but yeah. if we're having a conversation, yeah. let's have it. Oh, yeah. uh, that was, so, this is all in the 80s as well. Yeah. And we're uh, talking about poverty. Far we're talking now. about yeah. We're talking about a massive recession in the country. That's right. Uh, Nobody has nothing. The men in Ireland are starting to go to England to get work. And those that stay here are, are just at home and, yeah. and they're doing what they can. You know, same thing to Paul basically back then, really fed the country in many it would cases. Have been for a lot of families, that's true. Yeah. 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 But um, what I was going to go to was, and uh, I think I'll get it out there early, I was in fifth class at the time, and uh, I was being a bollocks, so the teacher wanted me out of class, so he sent me into town in the East to get a Marcos. And uh, 
it was pissing me in on the same day and um, I got a lift off fella and I was abused sexually on that journey. Uh, so I think my whole perspective on life after that, how I was a person completely changed. Uh, you can imagine still to this day it has some effects on me. How I live my life. But um So when I was a child like that, and you're trying to form your view of the world, all of a sudden you begin to think like people can't be trusted, adults can't be trusted. Is that kind of how it shaped your view? Without doubt, and to make it worse, this man was from our community. So everybody knew him. Yeah. And it's like still like this was a secret I kept for a long time, for the best part of fifteen years I kept that longer I kept it to myself so I'm thinking you're uh, 11 you were 11 maybe. I was 10 just 10 almost 11 yeah so uh, I still have to see that man in almost every other day after that but it's it's relationships even with people my own age it's you're coming into puberty or girls and things it was very hard like even found any kind of relationships with people it was just like my whole trust in everyone was gone I kind of despised everyone because I thought like I wasn't protected mm. it's like how can this happen in your community mm. I couldn't correlate this yeah. properly so like my way of showing this was like lashing out it was drinking it was fighting uh, as soon as I arrived in secondary school in St Munchens it was I went out there I feel like an outcast uh, so I did like I fought with everyone fought with the teachers and before you know it, it was suspended indefinite. I was, uh, my mother sent me back a few weeks later, saying they can't do that job. I was on the, go, on the go for three or four months before she realised he wasn't even at school. So yeah. that was kind of the end of my school experience, about a couple of months in Edmund Rice, which was like a joke for school anyway. Yeah. Did you have much? So, Were you able to read and write at this stage, Darren? Uh, I, I could read and write. So I, I like in primary school, I learned how to read and write. I wasn't like very... Yeah. So, um, do you know, for, for me, example, do you know, growing up in an area, I grew up in poverty, you know, we didn't have much, you know, it was the 80s as well, and we're going into the early 90s and there's a lot of drugs and stuff, and I'm looking at the lads older than me, do you know, they're involved in criminality, they're involved in drugs and stuff, and I'm watching them, and they have nice clothes, nice jewellery, yeah. watches, some of them with cars. Did that ever entice you to get involved in crime at that age? Without doubt, is it? Yeah. It's impossible not to, I think. Yeah. Um, and even just just the fellas that were even drinking, the other fellas that were drinking, it's like, I want to drink with them. Look, they're your peers. So role models were drug dealers, yeah. uh, robbers, thieves, is kind of, yeah. yes, the fellas that had the money. They weren't working with people whatsoever. So, uh, the yeah, hard like, fellas who could look exactly, after themselves. Exactly, yeah. It's, 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 that's what I was drawn to, just like yeah. yourself, just like, like James. It's a... Uh, and every other community in Limerick, but I guess I'll speak for myself. But I definitely, that's what I was drawn to. Yeah. Both me and my brother, I can't not bring him in because we were twins, so yeah. there was two of us. But um, yeah, definitely drawn to that life. Like it's and did that easy, escalate then at easy a young money. Age? Yeah, so it's like with guards and stuff, then coming around the house. Your GLO just yeah. for simply <laughs> giving cheek at uh, inside in town, like you can start simple as that I think it did for me um, it's robbing houses in the middle of the night mm. it was mugging lads just so I could have a few drinks on the bank it was yeah. the greatest thing in the world but um, now you look back and you think mm. I, I enjoyed none of this like it's, it's all this was like 
but, but that was normal behaviour back it was, then. It was, because, it was very normal. Because yeah. for me, it was would have been normal behaviour because um, of what 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 I was after growing up, grow, grow up in an area where it was rough. What you witnessing? It was yeah. tough, and um, and I was used to violence from the family home anyway, because because three boys, you know, growing yeah. up, <laughs> and. They're, my two brothers are probably laughing at me knowing they said three boys I was probably the one doing the craddy kicks and them inside in the front <laughs> room <laughs> you know but um, it, it was pretty much like that wasn't it yeah mm-hmm. what was it like in St Mary's Park around the late 90s early 90s was a lot of issues going on in Limerick at the time what was it like growing up in around that was it tension or like was it was there an air of insecurity in the community what was it like well in, in the 90s was more like it was a drinking culture yeah uh, you had your drug culture, of course. It was hash in the 90s, as you know. Yeah. Ease, but primarily it was hash and drink. Uh, there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of muggings and all. But uh, there was no real feuding as such. Yeah. At the time, it was more like people were wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, it's We knew mm-hmm. you had no chance of getting a job. You had teachers had no interest in of you in primary or secondary. So everyone has left. You were left to your own devices. Cops couldn't care what you got up there as long as you were in the island. It was like, yeah. we couldn't care, do what you like. So it's, yeah. okay, we'll mm-hmm. resort to like, what are we left? Do on the street corner. Mm-hmm. We'll drink. Yeah, if yeah, we get yeah. drunk, we'll fight with people. Do you know the island? Is, is, is it, an, I'm not familiar. Is it actually an island? Or is it? it it's one way in, one way out. Oh, is it? It's surrounded by, uh, an, it's an embankment, so it's surrounded by a bank okay. and, uh, and the river going around it. So it's, on one end you have King John's Castle, and on the other end you have the the, the church, okay. uh, which is that St Mary's Parish. Okay. But the island itself is encircled by a bank. Yeah. Oh, I just it's always yeah. kind of wandered. Do you know I walk around History Lane, but like <laughs> uh, <laughs> not a thing. Yeah. Do you know when uh, when you went into prison for the first time? Yeah. Was that for this big sentence, or did you, did you have previous? Uh, I had pre I had previous so my what age were you when first went in? When I first went in, I just turned seventeen, and uh, I was in for it was in the side there was a mugging, and uh, I got eighteen months. So it was both myself and my brother. We were both sentenced together for for the crime, and uh, I got sentenced to Limerick. Ended up in Spike Island, within a few weeks for fighting in Limerick, and uh, so that was my first taste of prison life. Yeah. And what age you have to get out? Uh, so 18 months, I was, I was 18 probably, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk to us about the events that led up to, to what you got the life sentence for, without going into the details of the specifics of it or anything like that? So at the time, so I had literally just been out a few weeks uh, previous to the crime. Um, I'd been drinking heavy, I'd been taking a lot of coke, and... Um, I was literally on a mission of attacking people for, for no reason, basically, whether that be mugging them or just for satisfaction. It was anger and rage inside me. And uh, I drank, took coke and attacked people. Mm-hmm. And uh, none of which I can take back. Mm-hmm. Um, that I have to carry with me for the rest of my life. But uh, it resulted in me taking man's life. But um, like I, I look back now when I can see that person if I could talk to him, I'd say, like, you're going to murder someone, like, mm. it, it was that kind of blatant, you know, so. It was yeah. just a path to dis- just complete destruction. Yeah. What age were you? I was 20 at the time, yeah. Did you get caught for it straight away? Yeah. Remanded straight away? Yeah. So you went in at 20? What, 
what's it like for a 20-year-old starting a life sentence? Are you still young and immature and full of, with a chip on your shoulder? Or are you thinking about the victim and the remorse? Or does that come later? I think, regretfully, seriously regretfully, like, I showed no remorse uh, whatsoever. Especially as soon as I entered the prison, I didn't give any thought to the victim whatsoever. I felt more sorry for myself. Uh, I hit drugs out inside there. I was, it was basically like street life within the prison. Uh, there was no thoughts of rehabilitation. There was no thoughts of uh, showing my regret for what happened, uh, being sympathetic or empathy. There was, there was none of that. It was just like, fuck you, you have me locked up for life and I'm going to act out. Mm. Uh, so, like, I was a 20-year-old man stuck inside in a teenage, angry teenager's body, like, really. Uh, when you're that young, when you're that young, you don't really understand what actually you're doing to people when you harm them. It's not till you get older and you get some bit of awareness into life, our own feelings, and, and, and after a bit of life experience, you start to understand it. But I'm sitting here down, right, and, and we're talking about <clears throat> your story, and it's important as well that we, we speak very openly, and I know you want to be, you know, <clears throat> and the reality of it is someone lost a life, you know, and there's a family out there, you know, and um, they're missing a family member, you know, and they're probably still hurt. They'll always be hurt, you know, and they're probably watching this now at the moment and they're looking at you, you're getting on with your life, you know, and they're probably still going to the grave on birthdays and Christmases to see this person, you know, um, which must be very, very tough for them if they are watching this, you know, to see you getting on with your life. Um, what would be the right thing to say to a family if someone was to, given, be, to be given the opportunity to say, whatever they needed to say to him, you know, I wouldn't know where to start myself, you know, and, and, and listen, I said this to you before we started here, I could be very easily on the other side there because I was completely chaotic and completely out of control and I had no concern for my own life or anybody else's life, you know, and I'm very, very blessed and fortunate that I don't have that on me today, yeah. you know, the conscience of taking someone else's life. You know, and since I got in here this evening and I started talking to you, you know, I, I, I see somebody that I really don't see how they could take another person's life, you know, because it's, 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 it's not that kind of person. But I can also see 20 years ago somebody that could take another person's life because I've been a 20 year old as well. And I know how chaotic can be, you know, like if you were ever to be given an opportunity to say anything to any that to, to the person's family. What would you say? Um, I I don't think I have the right to say anything on that yeah. because they might not want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, obviously I regret it. It's like I'll never ever it never leave me, but it'll guide me, and uh, I will live my life until the day I die. Uh, trying to help other lads, making sure they don't end up in the position I do. Like, I think that's, like, I can actions rather than words is what yeah. I can give. So uh, it's easy for me to say I apologise, which, of course, I do. I'm 
like I'll never get over it myself the fact that I actually took somebody's life it's like I still find it hard at times to, to like to believe that yeah. but um, I think actions speak louder than words in this case and it's what I do with my life is more important and I think I can respect death of that man by uh, how I live my life and his family hopefully by how I live rather than any words I could share with you today exactly because the mistakes you made I suppose and the experiences you've had you use that now as you said so that the next young fella doesn't make that mistake it's yeah. like what myself and Timmy do with exactly. the podcast we, we've done things that we regret but we can't undo them unfortunately mm-hmm. but we, what we can do with those experiences try to pass on the message to keep so that the next fella or girl coming up behind us goes in with their eyes wide open yeah. and there's no medals for doing prison time do you know what I mean yeah. and you get a bit mature and you get a little bit older the old chip in the shoulders is gone yeah. people are growing up people are getting out and you're still there do you know there's, it's not it's not life is it no it's not life whatsoever and at like I was four years into my sentence and uh, my brother died twin brother died of an overdose and uh He'd just come out of a treatment centre and looked clean and fresh, strong as yourself there to him. And uh took a few tablets and heart stopped and, and, and died. Like So I was in prison that time. I didn't get out for obviously. I got to see him in the hospital. But um, so that was one eye-opener for me. It's like, really, is this what it's like? Yeah. Here's my brother gone. Here's my mother, my father, my sister, my brother. Or, suffering outside there it's like everybody is suffering because it is nonsense and stupidity so uh have any have any advice or words of wisdom for if there's a fella a young fella no start in the life sentence or he's in the early stages of a life sentence is there anything you could say to him to maybe guide him or i don't know a bit of a bit of advice based off your own experiences one bit of advice I would have loved to get, which I didn't, is like your life sentence starts the day you come in. Like life sentence prison, especially at a young age, are under the impression it starts after seven year or ten year now with the parole board kind of change. It's after my first parole board, I'll settle down. So you have the immaturity in your head that I can drink and take drugs and waste years of my life. But like, don't like the minute you come into prison from that very moment, like. Yeah. be focused like regret with John because like no one takes a life in my opinion and is satisfied is happy about it like it, it's it's done out of fear it's mm. done out of anger it's done through drugs yeah. like it's it's very few people I believe set out to take someone's life so it's like they are remorseful inside really so it's like from day one like engage with whatever services are there whatever little services if it's counselling probation any courses that come up, your AVP, Alternative to Violence, uh, your Samaritans or Listeners, which is what it's called within the prison system, uh, your Red Cross, like engage in their services, get you a bit of education. You can now do your degree inside in prison, which I've done myself. So uh, through the Open University, it's like focus on getting yourself educated, focus on rehabilitating yourself. No one's going to do the work for you you have to do it yourself but do it from day one don't wait for seven eight year like i did eight nine year and then say okay i've seen so much now i'll change do it from get go it's like 
people that are there doing six months, eight months. Oh, I want to go and have fun, take drugs. That's well and good, but you're there for a long time. It's like you, you don't have to be dislike them. You don't have to keep away from them as in like your enemy. It's just like focus on yourself. Just remember that you have a family outside there who love you, who are going to miss you. You want to go home, you want to live your life, you want to get out as quick as you can. So, like, focus, not go long from day one. Do you know, uh, do you know during your sentence, when you came in, you hit the head, drugs and stuff really, really hard. When did, when, when did reality really kick in? Like, after how many years did reality kick in and, and did you start getting a conscience on, because of your actions and, and starting to understand what really the, the reality of what was after happening was going on? Well, I, I think after my first parole, which was in around the 7, 8 year mark, and uh, when I'm in, in, in front of the parole and I saw my dossier, for anyone that doesn't know a dossier, is a report that the prison does in your uh, prison services, probation, everyone, on your behaviour over a seven year period. I mean, I looked in that and saw all my P19s, chart sheets. Yeah. And uh, I looked at him and thought, Explain P19 for non. So P19 is a chart sheet, basically. Within the prison, prison system. system. So it's, it's disciplinary. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I was caught with a phone. Yeah. I was fighting with someone. I was caught with drugs. I was giving dirty urine, so on and so forth. Yeah. And uh, I saw the list that I had. And one of the parole uh, officers was reading these out to me. And he's like, what kind of life you live in? Like, it's, yeah. so it's, I, then it is kind of when reality set in. I didn't accept it and completely change or alter myself. But it, that's when it first dawned on me. Yeah. I was still taking drugs at the time, so I couldn't completely focus. But um, that is when it first dawned on me. But um, I think it was around like eight, nine, maybe 10 year mark, but I said, okay, look, enough is enough. It's like, I'm sick mm -hmm. of this life. I'm sick of the same conversations I'm having in the yard every day. I'm sick of going to the gym with the same fellas, doing the same workout. Gym is very important. I'm just saying it's, yeah. I needed more. Yeah. So uh, that's when I decided to engage with the services and wanting to engage, not engaging to impress a governor or yeah. just like to look at me, look what I'm doing. It's like I wanted to, I wanted to educate myself. I wanted to rehabilitate myself. Mm. So it was around the era Nine year mark, and uh, that's when I started my degree. Yeah. And uh, I wonder, does that, is that lined in as well with kind of men or males were the kind of mature mm. a little bit later? Because I think no, I wasn't in prison like you for that length of time, but just the cycle of addiction and in and out and stuff like that, and the people that you hurt along the way, yeah, never really came into my mind, really. Yeah. But now, no, you're on 27, 28, I think like. The fuck you don't. Yeah. You're looking around and you're back at a gaff and you're looking around people that you're with and you're thinking like, what are you doing? Like, do you know? And you're bumping into fellas, they're getting on with their lives or you're going into prison and uh, the officers are the one age, you know, you're getting on. Yeah. You see the 18, 19 year olds coming in and you're cringing you see the behaviours because it mirrors what we used to be like. Exactly. And you're yeah. thinking like, what are you doing? Those fellas are getting old and, you know, I think the maturity is a big role to play as well. You don't really, you don't really understand consequences until you get to about 26, 27, 28 and you're looking around and you're yeah. thinking, what are you doing? Well, the, the statistics yeah. prove that. Yeah. But but why is that? Like, it's... And like, like, I that's, think that's, it's, that's a question. 
Oh yes, myself, through my social sciences, yeah. uh, studying but, like you it's, know what my understanding of it is down yeah. is this is right. Men that grow up in environments where they're not able to understand how to regulate themselves emotionally yeah. and understand the thinking and understand trauma and understand belief systems that they get when they grow up in areas where there's a lot of poverty and crime and criminality. What happens is when they hit a certain age and they have so much pain from addiction, from mental health, just from prison, hospitalization and stuff like that, it just comes to a standstill and they just hit a place where this voice in the head says, what are you doing? Like? What are you doing? And, and it's, and it's when you do stop that or you go to treatment or whatever, what happens then is the conscience kicks in. Very cool. It kicks in and all the shit that you've done and all the past and all the stuff from your childhood that was buried under layers and layers and layers of different stuff starts to come up to the surface because you're not using the alcohol and the drugs as the crutch anymore as, this, as, as the kind of they think to block off all this stuff. No, you're left with all this stuff here. And if you aren't working with the right people and you have the right services in your life and you're trying to that manage this stuff on your own, that can be detrimental it to a man's life. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we all know the consequences of, 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 of someone trying to deal with this stuff. But I think it's, it's just men in general, it's statistic. It's between 30 to 35 men go through that kind of a change in life where it just comes to a standstill and they hit this wall in their life around their heads and it's just stuff comes up from them and it's, 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 they start walking in themselves. You know, that's my reality of it and I've spoke to a lot of men and I've read up in it as well and that was, that's how I understood it. But when, when you're left with all that stuff, you have to find a way out of it. Because if you don't, anything will hard could happen, you know? Yeah, but when, like, when that realisation, that maturity comes, yeah. and then you're looking back and you're thinking, <clears> like, <throat> the, dev the trail of devastation in your past and the years wasted, you know? Uh, and then you're starting to think, if you're doing a bit of personal development, you're starting to do a bit of therapy and you're looking at your life experiences and you're starting to join the dots, you know? It can be overwhelming. Very much so. You know, it'd be difficult. Yeah. What was it like for yourself at the time, you know, when you're going through this and you're maturing and trying to get your head straight? What, what kind of supports did you use? So, for myself, like, and I took it very slow. Like, I, I really did. I, like, I had a lot to do with, like, a lot of time, like us, like us all. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, I think I was mature enough to realise. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, 
they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I can't deal with everything at once. My mind implodes. Uh, so, like, drug counselling is where I went first. So, drugs, what brought me to drugs was kind of, uh, okay, my childhood, what I, what I witnessed, it's kind of, that was my first step. Um, I think then uh, we had a lot of group sessions and it's the AVP was kind of, I got an awful lot out of alternative to violence program I was speaking to beforehand, James. And uh, for me, that was a big eye opener and it just happened to be uh, there was a lifer that was actually um, facilitating that from another prison. They came and doing it with a couple of people from outside. But I said, I was thinking, yeah, I can relate to every single thing here. Mm. Uh, how I left myself get into that situation is uh, not what I need to deal with. So uh, it was piece by piece. Like yourself, Timmy, yeah. I done uh, years of meditation. I don't anymore do very much anymore. Yeah. I don't have the time for it, which is a bad excuse, but mm. kind of truthful. But uh, I done two or three years of uh, meditating and yoga. It was kind of like a bit of a lifesaver in between doing my uh, drug counselling. Uh, I was still dabbling at times in between, but uh, I got six, seven month breaks and kind of, I did, you, you can work on it. That's time to work on yourself, you know? But um, it certainly didn't happen overnight. Like The Tunaris podcast is proudly sponsored by Inline Eco, your trusted partner in asbestos removal and re-roofing services across Ireland. Your peace of mind and safety are our top priorities. For more information, visit inlineeco.ie. At the moment, the average life sentence in Ireland is 22 years. What's the what? What kind of things do you have to do in prison, or what? What kind of things would you suggest for people in prison to do to better themselves, to put them in the best position, to kind of move away from that life and get parole? Like, what kind of things did you have to do, or did you? So, do? it it's not was forced upon me. Does does uh. Like I said, the AVP, you have the Red Cross, yeah. uh, outside agencies, mind you. Uh, the listeners, listeners is a version of the Samaritans within the prison yeah. where you talk to lads who might be suicidal. Uh, you'd sit down and have a cup of tea with them. Were you a listener? Uh, I was a listener, yeah. So um, you'd sit down, have a cup of tea, you'd have a smoke with them and kind of listen to what they have to say and never talk to them. It's yeah. agreement, blah, blah. But um, so... I think you need to do all them. And the reason you need to do all them is because they give you a little bit of education, a little bit of insight. Uh, most importantly, I think, is education. Yeah. If you're walking out and you have no qualifications, 
you're, you're, you're back in the same situation. Prober might look and say, sorry, you're not ready for, to be released. It's like, you have no qualifications here. You have no job prospects. So, like, why would we, re- we release you into society? So I, I think if you started the basics, you're level three, fee tech, level four, is. level five, that's exactly what I do. And I started my journal sort, yeah. uh, done my leave and sort, and then went down and done my degree. So, and did you do the degree in? Uh, social sciences. Or did you open your university? Did you open university, yeah. You know, for people that wouldn't be familiar with prison and stuff like that, what's it like studying for a degree inside? Do you get access to a computer room or do you get a laptop to bring back to your cell? How does it work? So it's it's now evolving. When, when I started, it was uh, I had to write handwrite my first two oh, assignments. Yeah. Old school. So old school, right? <laughs> uh, then after that, it was uh, in the school, and uh, you'd get a couple of hours where you'd type out your um, your assignment. All of your material for the whole uh, year is given to you in boxes, trans- transcripts. So it's like yeah. you can be not, that's that's not easy. Like it oh. really is difficult. Like, but uh, it evolved once I got my diploma first, and then uh, I was in Limerick at the time, and uh, I got my laptop. Made a huge difference. But um, so now like it's it is more complex now for us to get laptops and access to tutors and uh, USB sticks and stuff USB like sticks to send them off exactly so it's, uh, it has evolved now but when I started first it was really yeah. it was really at its infancy and yeah. the prison didn't really know how to go about it themselves but now it's like yeah. education it's, it's, really is key isn't it I, I think what if, outside of that within prison it, what, it, have you, what have you got outside yeah. I think not so much even people like my age are a bit younger I think Educate, there's, there's yeah. other opportunities out there than education but uh, within prison and especially for lifers long term prisoners even it's like education is the one tool that you have the one mechanism for you to like to, to but it, want yeah. to be able to rehabilitate yourself yeah. and to give you an opportunity when you get back into society and you said it there like with the education it gives you an opportunity to rehabilitate yourself because a lot of the the, the text around rehabilitation and personal development and personal growth and psychology and psychotherapy, you need to be able to understand these words. You need to understand words around emotions and feelings and you need to understand how how your thoughts are connected to your body, they're connected to memories and, and how they can keep going and snowball. And that was the, change, the turning point for me when I started to understand that without the education, I would have never, ever understood all this head stuff, the yeah. connection to the head and the body, the emotions, and it was vital for my recovery, you know, just to understand it and be able to pass it on. So education for anybody really inside in prison is important. It doesn't matter what level you are at. I mean, what level you're at. Or the course. Yeah, it's it's it, no, and it's 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 the confidence you get from it. Yeah. So, for a lad that can't read and write, like he suddenly can read a book, he can start at the very basic writing his name, and moving on from there. Like the confidence you get from that, like, and I've seen it. Like I was yeah. lucky enough, I could read and write. I had the basics, so I wasn't starting from scratch. But other lads like couldn't even write their own names yeah. and so I was watching them evolve whilst I was evolving and it's the confidence you get uh, I remember I went in to a 
board meeting with the Red Cross. So you had the governors and the chiefs and on side and I was my second year into my degree degree at the time and I had no fear of in there. So I remember times going to the governor, I'm like, fuck you, being a dean and I don't care what do what you want me and but I'm going into a room with these people and I'm looking at them as an equal. Yeah. I'm in here to Not as a authority figure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm here to help the prison, to better the prison for everybody. And uh, they treat me with that respect in return. And um, without education, I wouldn't have that confidence. Like yeah. being able to sit inside the room with these fifteen people who because yeah. it allows you to express yourself with it, words and yes. that. You know? vocabulary. It just yeah. like. But even it, it, you yeah. know when uh, when I see fellas in prison that are starting out in the education journey, you know, after the while, they go from talking about women and drugs and crime yeah. and they get more awareness and all of a sudden the topics that they talk about are broader yeah they look at the news and a bit of understanding you know and like they're more clued in you avoid uh, the air it's yeah. you avoid you them conversations <laughs> yeah yeah i remember um, yeah. i remember that actually happened to me do you know the the, the air thing chatting yeah. about this and that and the other I used to fucking get this gammy old feeling in here every time we were having a conversation about fighting or fucking robbing or drugs or whatever. And I used to go up to a psychologist and um, he used to talk about it and say, oh, why am I feeling like this like when I'm having a conversation? She's saying, you're changing. Yeah. And what's, 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 what are you getting from it? What's your understanding of the way you're feeling? I shouldn't be involved in these conversations. And they stopped. And when I stopped being in those conversations, I didn't have that feeling anymore. My actual gut was telling me, this is not good for me. Your soul was telling me, this is not. You were beginning to listen. You know, and and that's when things started to change. Do you know what I mean? Some people don't get it though. Yeah. Which is but it's there for everybody. Yeah. It is. It's there for everybody. You have to be on the path as well, yeah. James. You have to You have to really want it. But, but, but also, it's like, uh, there's a lot of lads, lifers, but not just lifers, it, across like the board from six months up like to have ADHD to mm. have mental health issues uh, that aren't addressed within the prison mm. prison they aren't, haven't got the capabilities of address, addressing them prison isn't even where it should be mm. so it's like how do, like how do you help these people how do they help themselves like they haven't been clinically di- diagnosed has mm. been on a spectrum of any mental illness whatsoever but I can see it mm. I can yeah. tell this definitely is ADHD. Can't yeah. sit down for two yeah. seconds or whatever it may be. So it's 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 yes, it's 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 there for everybody. But like yeah. treatments are there for everybody well, like, for them to actually be able to avail of it. Like yeah. and the so, reality of that is, we don't have it, enough specialists to be able to go into prisons to be able to diagnose and people there to be able to help people to cope with this in different ways. You know, cognitive behavior therapy, you no know, CBT. Yeah. These are great ways, meditation, just understanding us, just informing people around these different things. There's not enough of people there or services there to be able to help people. Is well, there, James? There, there, there isn't. Like, so it's, mm. it's, I, for my time uh, in, in Limerick at the time, you had two counsellors, drug counsellors uh, and Liffey, and uh, that was for a whole prison system. I think you're talking 300 odd prisoners. That's an impossibility. Mm. You had... Uh, one or two on any given time uh probation officers uh you had one psychologist that's for the whole prison 
Mm. Like so, uh, you have lads who've had reports that have to be done in them for courts. So like these have to be getting preference. Yeah. So then there's lads that really need the help who aren't getting it, uh, and they're already backlogged. Like so, like mm. my, my I have much sympathy for the drug counsellors and yeah. probation and Tough job, it's, it's 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 an impossible job yeah. to do it. It, it within the prison system is how it's beyond me. Two of the prisons, myself and Timmy visited. It was a complaints rightly so from some of the prisoners around waiting this for various services and stuff like yeah. that but when we spoke to the governors every one of them bear none they want the exact same things mm. as the lads have as the lads want mm. but the big issue was recruitment and yeah. staffing and not enough officers not enough psychologists not enough psychotherapists they, everybody wants the same thing but we were at, we were at a conference today um, I won't name the industry but huge staffing issues there, yep. staffing issues in the youth community sector, trying to hold. Yep. And I think it goes back to the housing crisis. If people can't afford to stay here, yeah. they can't afford rent, they can't afford mortgage, and they're just driving in. And yeah. it's, it's like, it's, we're a wealthy country, we have a lot of money, but the cost of living is so high that it's not actually worth hanging around. And if you wanted to get a job as a psychologist in, in Cork City, let's say, but you can't afford to rent here then, you can't, so you might love the job, yeah. It might be very appealing to you, but just the other stuff that comes with it, it doesn't fit with you, you know what I mean? So that that was a big problem. But the one thing I wanted to ask you was, if you've been, you've been in prison for 18 years, yeah. what year did you go in? Uh, I went in in 2003. So there was a lot of changes in society since in that time, not least social media, smartphones. Yeah, there was, I'd never had a phone previous, yeah. Population growth, traffic. What, what's it like coming out? Do you know, is this... What daunting, or are you afraid, or what's it like? Uh, first weekend out, or whatever. So, when I my, my first time out was going to Patways in Dublin. So it's that's a charity. Uh, support people from prison, is it? Uh, no, it's an adult, adult education centre. Okay. But um, it's run by ex ex prisoners. Christy Woods, uh, Christy Woods, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Niall Collins, or Niall. Cat. No, he'll, yeah, he'll, know, know he'll never forgive me for, yeah. for, for forgetting them. <laughs> yeah. But uh, everyone lads up there, they're, they're great lads, but the majority of the lads, the teachers, are uh, ex-prisoners. Yeah. But um, so, and uh, I had a kind of chaperone who was a prisoner as well, came with me on, on the on the train up. But uh, very daunting, like, yeah, you, and it's Dublin City, like it's, yeah. you know, yeah. as you just said, even traffic alone. But um, it's cash in the pocket, even just like, having to pay for something, waiting in the queue, walking into the shop, not knowing even know where we're find a pack of potatoes, mm. uh, how to interact with people at the counter, uh, how to interact with people on the street, um, even going to Patwas itself, it's, even though they were ex-prisoners, it was how to interact with them, it's what kind of conversations can you have with people? Mm. Uh, you well, spoke we... on first weekend home, and yeah. it's, you're at home with your family, the people you love, and you've yeah. missed the most, and it's, it's 18 years like and it's what have they been talking about for the last 18 years it's mm. very hard to actually yeah. like have sit down and have a conversation it's I was I done a lot of listening rather than talking because it's what they were speaking of I didn't know anything of yeah. I wasn't involved in any of this so it's like it took a while to adjust in that sense but uh, thankfully I'm kind of I'm a sociable person so like I, I, I can't I 
came around quite quickly. But in the beginning, when they were testing me, uh, daily release and things, it was extremely difficult for the first four or five weeks. It was it really was, yeah, it wasn't easy. Was going to an open prison like Shelton Abbey, the best thing fire before that, that led up to the release to get you prepared for it? Without doubt. Like it, it's a necessity. Like it, it's really is. It's it's crucial. Uh, or lock the house either, but uh, it's essential. So went up there and you do like an eight week assessment. When I say assessment, they're, they're watching you. So you do a bit of work in the grounds or whatever your preference is. I chose the grounds, and um, then they test you. Going, I wanted to follow my education route, so I'm back on VTech in Patwells, but just to resocialize myself. Um, so they give you that opportunity. They know how uh, they can tell you come back, you know, okay, is this working for him or is it not? Closed prisons aren't prepared for that. They're, they're not set up for that. Whereas open prisons are. You have the freedom of the grounds. Um, there's no one knocking your door at night time. Like these things are kind of slowly readjusting you to, to life on the outside and making sure that you're not institutionalised. Yeah, it's a great way to, it's a great way to, it's a stepping stone really onto it, going out. It, it really Because is, if yeah. you didn't have that stepping stone and get that little bit of freedom and see a small bit of the outside before you actually left out, it probably would have kind of came to a, just a, completely exploded for you because it's a lot to take in when you come out of prison well you you see lads and we'll, we'll take just short term just yeah. for, for a moment like the, the, the turnaround of lads six months twelve months and they're back in after a few months because it's like there's no preparation from going back out it's they're going back out to the exact same environment and situation mm -hmm. that they came from with, uh, with, with, with with no lead up to getting out so it's like what? boom there you go yeah. back in like I could have found myself in the exact same position mm -hmm. if I was sent from a closed prison out because you need to slowly be evolved. Yeah. Like a simple thing like a prison officer in an open prison with a tracksuit or dressed like ourselves, talking to hello, how we get on, having a conversation mm -hmm. as if you're a normal member of society and he is. Mm -hmm. You don't look at him as a prison officer. He doesn't look as you are new as a prison uh, prisoner. It's like... That's massive. Yeah. Some people might say, well, it's kind of crap, but it, it's actually, it really, and really that's is massive. Like, that's even part of the process. A hundred percent. And it's it, back into society. Yeah, and, and, and it might jump over some people's head, like, but it's, it's yeah. it, that actually, it's simple things like that, like, are, and the like, grow, going for a walk on the grounds of the prison, that's another thing. Changing your, your, yeah. your, your time and routine of like six, 17 and a half, six, 16 and a half hours locked up, changing that routine to, uh, your own time. Yeah. I can go out until nine o'clock walking the grounds if I want to. Uh or I can go into bed at six o'clock if I want to. Yeah. Um you can go out working all day, which I did up in Dublin, so it was up and down commuting every day. So it's um it's getting into real life um schedule rather than the prison routine, which is So yeah. when you get old it's not so much of a culture shock. Exactly. We've yeah. been leading up to this point. What's life like for you now? Um Life, life is great to be honest. I, the best blessing in the world. If I just talk about my uh, my Lemontal son, he's a, a big boy, isn't he? Yeah, he's a big old buck boy. He's uh, <laughs> he's not taking after his daddy, you know, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, I have a lovely, beautiful missus who's uh, there for every second. So 
the minute I got out, we moved in together. Uh, I've been working straight away. I will, actually, I started my master's the minute I got out. Uh, got through my first semester and through financial reasons, car got pregnant and it was kind of okay, I have to put that on hold for now. Um, I went working, painting, decorating. Uh, I volunteer at Limerick City Build um, with the lads. And um, it's like, I'm loving life to be honest, yeah. It's still, look, it's still tough, like yeah. putting bread on the table and mm. same as everyone else. It's, it's, yeah. Nothing's like, nothing's given to me. Like, it's, I'm walking what about, hard. And, what about, um, no, the reason I'm asking this is because, you know, when we get out of prison, yeah, very hard to, to, to be integrated back into society when you have a past. And you knowing then you're not the same person that that person was. Yeah. And I know it. And you have the guard of Etten. You yeah. have all these different things. How are you dealing with all that stuff? Um, I, now I think I've, takes time. Yeah, I've, I've put that behind me. You know, it's mm. it's 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 at first I was kind of, I, I remember I went in to get my passport. Uh, I wanted to get my passport, and I needed the ML10s form signed. So I had no um, proof of dress, obviously. So I handed in my TR sheet. And when I handed in my TR sheet, he treated me like yeah. a criminal straight away. And I felt very belittled and I came over. I was, I was, I was defeated coming out and I said, I'm not going to let this happen to me again. Or it's like reality kind of hit home. But um, so I gave it a, a few weeks and uh, I went back in and uh, with my work clothes on and gave the ML10 form in and signed it straight away. I was played not happy. Yeah. Thought it was a lovely person, and I thought, okay, look, it's yeah. moving on. Yeah, and uh, the majority of society, I think, have accepted me. I've like yourselves. I've done a few talks. I've been on a few panel shows, and whatever. So uh, I think the majority of people have accepted. I think the normal to see you, you're, you're genuine. You're, yeah, you know. I, I think people can tell if you're bollocks or whether you're 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 a legit person that has. Reformed. Well, I'll give my honest opinion here on you, and I'm not afraid to give it. From just chatting to you, yeah, you know, I think you're a beautiful person. I know shit has happened in your past. I know, so. I know there's a family they're suffering today, down. Yeah, you know, and um, and there's nothing you can say, I can say, James can say, or anyone can say to bring back that person that they've lost. You know, my heart goes out to them. Yeah. You know, but um. I do see somebody that wouldn't harm anybody today. I don't know about that man back there. I pers I probably would have been in fighting with you if, I, if, if we came across paths, I'd say, back then, because the two <laughs> of us were just fucking violent yeah. and angry people, you know, but I do I do see a, a nice person here today. Appreciate that. You know, Thanks, um, and I wish all the best. Yeah. I really do. And all, all you can do in the end of the day, like for people to understand, like when somebody goes to prison for a life sentence, like eventually they're going to get out, be it 20 year or 22 year or 25 year, eventually they're going to go, but what do we want out of that person? We, well, we don't want them to re-offend. No. And we want them to break the cycle in their own family so that your son won't do what they want. And to go on and make sure that they use their past negative experience to help the next fella. That's all you can do. You can't take back, you can't undo what's done, but you can just make sure that going forward that hopefully there's less victims down the line and that's all you can do. Well, even so, even with my own son now, um, like, 
my father came from a generation of you hide your feelings, which mm-hmm. was passed on to me. No fault of his own. It's, it's just like mm-hmm. you hide your feelings, you toughen up your own. Mm-hmm. Like get yeah, exactly yeah. Like like that's not how I'm gonna rear my child. Like it's yeah. if you're upset, show it, son. Express yourself. Yeah. If you need to cry, you cry, son. Like and that will give you a hug. Yeah. And tell you it's okay. Uh, I'll make sure, like, well, no matter what is going on in his head, that he's safe enough with me and his mother, of course, uh, to tell us. Um, he, I'll, I'll, I'll make it my life's goal, like, that he will live life a million miles away from where I lived. And we're changing and, uh, the generational stuff. Ex- exactly. We're changing yeah. lives, you know. We're, we're, I stopped it in my life, you're going to stop it, so our kids can go on and they can be a part of society and fulfill whatever they're supposed to do with their lives, you know, without getting involved in drugs or, or whatever it may be. And that's maybe our roles in life here, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad role either, is to bring up kids who can really be a big part of society. Well, if, 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 if I did, so where, where I'm working at the moment, as I said, in City Build, like you have 13, 14 lads there who turn up every day without fail, and uh, to do a bit of block playing, plaster and plumb, the, 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 the kind of basics. But these lads are turning up every day from the, from the island field, like the next door they're selling crack. Mm. They're coming, like these these lads, and I bring them off painting with me, and they might be sending skirting boards and plastering and filling and cock, and like it's, but it's the, 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 the basics, but it's like, when I see that, and I have a chat with these, they're listening, like uh, I, I, get, I get that respect off them. I, I feel I do anyway, yeah. and uh, so it's. Chat your does it? I can I can see it. Yeah, and I can I I I can see services out there that are often often the change. Like and it's uh, I just look. I got the opportunity to jump on volunteer and uh, help on that process. Yeah. Well, best of luck with everything going yeah. forward. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for coming Likewise, on the yes. podcast. Thanks, Brad. Thank it, it, it was a pleasure. Thanks, really enjoyed yeah. it. Absolutely not a problem. Yeah. And hopefully we come to Limerick for a live show sometime. Yeah, yeah. It'd be great. Yeah. Uh, boys, Limerick le- and, and the ladies, they'll be there. I want to be too happy. Uh, <laughs> I've got to leave the wife at home, like. <laughs> you want to cut that out? Do you know what I mean? She fucking marks the head off. Uh, see you later. I'll see yeah. you next week. <laughs> the Toonaries podcast is proudly sponsored by Inline Eco your trusted partner in asbestos removal and re-roofing services across Ireland. Your peace of mind and safety are our top priorities. For more information, visit inlineeco.ie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 